Our scripture lesson tonight is taken from Judges chapter 9, page 287 in the Pew Bible, page 287, Judges chapter 9, beginning with verse 7 and reading through the end of the chapter. Again, we take up this account in uh, sort of the uh, middle of the, the story. We read the first part of this morning where uh, Gideon had died, and then the men of Shechem and Beth Milo made one of Gideon's sons, Abimelech, their king, and he came to rule over all of Israel. And uh, the first thing that he did was kill all his brothers so that he would not have any competition for the throne. But one son survived, and that was Jotham. And we begin reading in verse 7. Now when they told Jotham, he went and stood on the top of Mount Gerizim and lifted his voice and cried out, and he said to them, Listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. The trees once went forth to anoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, Reign over us. But the olive trees said to them, Should I cease giving my oil with which they honor God and men and go to sway over trees? And the trees said to the fig tree, You come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit and go to sway over the trees? And when the trees said to the vine, You come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, Should I cease my new wine, which cheers both God and men, and go to sway over the trees? Then all the trees said to the bramble, You come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, If in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now therefore... If you have acted in truth and, in, and sincerity in making Abimelech king, and if you have dealt well with Jeroboam and his house and have done to him as he deserves, for my father fought for you, risked his life, and delivered you out of the hand of Midian. But you have risen up against my father's house this day and killed his 70 sons on one stone and made Abimelech the son of his female servant king over the men of Shechem because he is your brother. If then you have acted in truth and sincerity with Jeroboam and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come out from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and Beth Milo and let fire come from the men of Shechem and from Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. And Jotham ran away and fled. And he went to Beer and dwelt there for fear of Abimelech, his brother. And Abimelech had reigned over Israel three years. Excuse me, after Abimelech had reigned over Israel three years, God sent a spirit of ill will between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. And the crime that done to the 70 sons of Jeroboam that the crime done by the 70 sons of Jeroboam might be settled and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother, 
who killed them, and on the men of Shechem, who aided him in killing his brothers. And the men of Shechem set men in ambush against him on the tops of the mountains, and they robbed all who passed by along the way. And it was told Abimelech. Now Gaal, the son of Ebed, came with his brothers and went over to Shechem. And the men of Shechem put their confidence in him. So they went out into the fields and gathered grapes from their vineyards and trod them and made merry. And they went into the house of their God and ate and drank and cursed Abimelech. Then Gaal, the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech and who is Shechem that we should serve him? Is he not the son of Jeroboam, and is not Zebul his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem, but why should we serve him? If only this people were under my authority, then I would remove Abimelech. So he said to Abimelech, increase your army and come out. When Zebal, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gaal, the son of Ebed, his anger was aroused. And he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly, saying, Take note, Gaal the son of Ebed and his brothers have come to Shechem, and, they, and here they are fortifying the city against you. Now therefore get up by night, you and the people who are with you, and lie in wait in the field. And it shall be as soon as the sun is up in the morning that you shall rise early and rush upon the city. And when he and the people who are with him come out against you, you may then do to them as you find opportunity. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose by night and lay in wait against Shechem in four companies. When Gaal, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entrance to the city gate, Abimelech and the people who were with him rose from lying in wait. And when Gaal saw the people, he said to Zebal, look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. But Zebal said to him, you see the shadows of the mountains as if they were men. So Gaal spoke again and said, see, people are coming down from the center of the land and another company is coming from the diviner's terebinth tree. Then Zebal said to him, where indeed is your mouth now with which you said, who is Abimelech that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despised? Go out, if you will, and fight with them now. So Gaal went out, leading the men of Shechem, and fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled from him, and many fell wounded to the very entrance of the gate. Then Abimelech dwelt at Arumah, and Zemal drove out Gaal and his brothers so that they would not dwell in Shechem. And it came about on the next day that the people went out into the field, and they told Abimelech. So he took his people, divided them into three companies, and lay in wait in the field. And he looked, and there were the people coming out of the city, and he rose against them and attacked them. Then Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and st stood at the entrance of the gate of the city, and the other two companies rushed upon all who were in the fields and killed them. So Abimelech fought against the city all that day. He took the city and killed the people who were in it, and he demolished the city and sowed it with salt. Now when all the men of the tower of Shechem had heard that they heard that they entered the stronghold of the temple of the god Bareth, and it was told of Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. And Abimelech went up to Mount Zalman, he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a 
bough from the trees, and he took it and laid it on his shoulder. Then he said to the people who were with him, what you have seen me do, make haste and do as I have done. So each of the people likewise cut down his own bow and followed Abimelech and put them against the stronghold and set the stronghold on fire above them so that all the people of the tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech went to Thebes and he encamped against Thebes and took it. But there was a strong tower in the city and all the men and women, all the people of the city fled there and shut themselves in. They, then they went up to the top of the tower. So Abimelech came as far as the tower and fought against it and he drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. But a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, draw your sword and kill me, lest they say of me, a woman killed me, killed him. So his young man thrust him through and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. Thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father by killing his 70 brothers. And all the evil of the men of Shechem, God returned on their own heads and on them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jeroboam. Thus far the reading of God's word, may he add his blessing to it. Beloved of the Lord, I'm going to repeat something that I said uh, a few months ago when uh, we began to look at the book of Judges together, and that is that uh, Jewish scholars, both ancient and modern, consider the book of Judges to be a prophetic book. They call it one of the former prophets or early prophets. They did not deny that it is a book of history, but they saw it as primarily a prophetic book because they understood something which is very true, and that is that the history of God's dealings with his people is prophetic. Uh, we have no problem, I think, understanding that with regard to, for example, the life of Joseph. Joseph was the beloved son of the father, and uh, the father sent his beloved son to his brothers. And when he came to his brothers, uh, his brothers uh, hated him. He came to his own, and his own received him not. And they threw him into a pit, which was meant to be his grave. He arose from that pit and ascended to the throne. And from the throne, he saved the lives of his wicked brothers and their families. Now, that's history. But it's prophetic history because, of course, it points to the life of Christ. Well, what we have before us also here is prophetic history and particularly the words of Jotham are prophetic history. Uh, they are words which he actually spoke, in which he gives uh, prophetic warning, but that warning also gives hope, prophetic hope, and another word for prophetic hope is gospel. Gospel is not a New Testament phenomenon only. There was gospel in the Old Testament, in uh, Galatians uh, 3, Paul says that the gospel was preached to Abraham in advance, and indeed the gospel goes all the way back uh, uh, to Genesis 3, verse 15, the very first uh, gospel promise of the seed of the woman crushing the head of the serpent. And so we have before us uh, uh, 
a warning that uh, the doom of the wicked is certain and sure, which, though is tragic, nevertheless gives hope for those who are righteous, righteous by faith, who look to God for deliverance from wickedness and evil. We are assured that one day, indeed, Christ shall come and uh, give final justice, after which his people shall dwell in peace and security for all eternity, and that is good news. Well, let's look at uh, Jonathan's uh, parable. Some people call it a fable. Well, parable, fable, I don't know that that makes much difference, but uh, uh, it is uh, an interesting story in which trees are acting and speaking as humans. Trees and bushes are acting and speaking as humans. Uh, The trees in general represent Israel in their desire for a king. They had uh, desired a king even when Gideon was alive. They approached Gideon shortly after his victory over the Midianites and wanted to make him king. They offered him the kingship and he properly and rightly declined it, saying, no, God must be your king. But uh, though he declined the kingship, because of his weaknesses, he began to act like one, which only fed Israel's desire for a king, so that after his death, they again said they wanted a king. And uh, the parable shows that uh, they wanted a king who would uh, sway over the trees, which meant they wanted a king with uh, pomp and show, uh, one who would uh, uh, be a a glorious leader and uh, would uh, make them proud. Now in the parable, uh, the trees that represent the nation of Israel uh, first go to uh, uh, fruitful trees And these trees say, no, uh, I don't want to sway over the trees. I don't want to give up my uh, oil or my uh, uh, wine or uh, the figs. Uh, They don't want to uh, do that lest they uh, forsake their their God-given calling to bring forth fruit that uh, brings glory to God and help to men. I really like this parable because it it shows uh, these trees uh, uh, manifesting what I call a good uh, Christian work ethic, that God placed us on this earth, all of us, to uh, subdue the earth and to be fruitful and to be, be productive so that we can take the stuff that God created and uh, Uh, make it abound to his glory and to the benefit of the legitimate needs of people around us. Uh, It's not hard to see that sort of thing happening in our very midst. Uh, We see uh, farmers very directly and immediately subduing the earth when they till the ground and plant the soil and uh, gather in the crops. Uh, When they raise livestock for our uh, food, uh, they are subduing the earth and making it fruitful. But so are people who make round balers or stump grinders or who make uh, windows and doors. Um, But uh, none of those people uh, could do their work, either farmers or uh, 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 various industries that we have in our community, without uh, support personnel. 
farmers need bankers, and bankers need uh, uh, secretaries, and secretaries need janitors, and uh, none of that would happen unless everybody does their part. Uh, the, uh, the factories also need accountants, and they need uh, IT personnel, and they need uh, janitors also to sweep up the floor, and they need people to supply parts, and all kinds of support services go into subduing the earth. And of course, none of us could do any of those jobs without teachers to uh, teach us how to read and write and uh, do math and all those sorts of things to prepare us for whatever calling God has in store for us. And of course, none of our education would be much good if we all died uh, as uh, teenagers of smallpox or uh, diphtheria or tuberculosis or uh, any of the many other diseases which modern medicine has conquered to enable us to live long and fruitful and productive, uh, productive lives. And so we need t teachers, we need uh, uh, educators, we need uh, medicine and uh, the medical uh, profession and all that goes with that. Everybody is working together, e even the people who change diapers and uh, prepare meals and uh, dust uh, the dust bunnies, uh, collect the dust bunnies from under the bed. Uh, we're all working together to be fruitful and productive and to uh, use our gifts for the glory and honor of God. And these uh, trees are, are doing that and they rejoice in it. And I pray that, that you can rejoice in the work that God has given you to do and see that you're contributing also uh, to uh, bringing Him glory by helping to meet the legitimate needs of people. But they find a bramble bush, a bramble bush or thorn bush, who has no useful uh, function and who is uh, seemingly driven by a lust for glory and power over others and demands that he receive it. He wants all the trees, even the fruitful and productive trees, to, to bow down and get under his shade, uh, under his uh, protection. Well, he's just a bush. They're going to have to really bend low in order to, to get under his shade, and, and that's going to interfere with their work. But he demands that they, uh, they honor him. And if uh, don't, he, they don't, he's ready to destroy them, to burn them up. Uh, this is... Uh, uh, the case that in every profession uh, there are those who are in it only for themselves. There are industrialists who are greedy. There are uh, preachers who are only in it for the money. There are politicians who are only in it for the money. And uh, there are uh, leaders like this bramble bush who simply want pomp and glory and riches and demand it, and if they don't get it, uh, they will hurt the people who refuse to give it to them. That doesn't uh, uh, mean that uh, serving in government is a bad thing. It's an honorable profession. Romans 13 shows us that uh, civil servants uh, serve God and serve man in a, a very useful and productive way, but as in every field, there are those who abuse it, and this Bramble King is one who abuses a, a holy calling. And of course, Jotham is pointing to Abimelech. He is the thorn bush. He is the bramble king. And uh, brambles or thorns are a sign of uh, the curse. The, when God cursed the earth, it said, let it bring forth thorns. And that's why Christ wore a crown of thorns uh, as a symbol that he was bearing the curse of God 
Uh, he was also crucified on a tree. That too was a sign of the curse. There were several witnesses, so to speak, that he was bearing the curse when he suffered and died for us. Well, uh, Jotham represents uh, the curse, and, uh, or excuse me, Abimelech represents the curse. Jotham is warning Shechem and urging them uh, to repent. Uh, he seeks to shame them by reminding them that his father uh, served them and his father risked his life for them. And this is how you repay all that my father did for you by uh, killing his 70 sons and then taking the worst of the bunch and putting him over uh, as king for uh, you and for the rest of Israel. Uh, how is that showing your thanks for what uh, Jerob Baal or Gideon had done for you? Well, we can see that indeed the people of Shechem and Beth Milo who had made Abimelech king and who had financed the uh, killing of uh, Jotham and Abimelech's uh, brothers were wicked people. But even more wicked are those who today uh, know of Jesus Christ and have uh, been baptized into his covenant community and yet turn their back on Christ. Uh, Gideon risked his life for the people of God to deliver them from evil. Christ gave his life to deliver his people from evil. And if we turn our back on Christ, we are, greater of, we are guilty of greater sin than the men of Shechem and Beth Milo. But there is hope, of course, for any who have turned their back on Christ. Remember Saul of Tarsus, he was a member of the covenant community, he was a child of God, but he fought vigorously against Christ and against the, the church of Jesus Christ, seeking to uh, destroy it, but uh, that was not an unforgivable sin. Uh, those who are anti-Christian uh, from even within the community of the church can find peace when they hear Christ speaking to them as Paul heard Christ's voice confront him. We don't hear an audible voice from heaven as uh, Saul of Tarsus did, but we do hear Christ calling us from his word, calling us to humble our hearts, repent of our sin, and believe in him, and uh, he will wash all our sins away. Jotham is warning the people, trying to shame them, and uh, he utters a curse against them that if they have not uh, uh, acted honorably and if they do not repent, then may fire come out of Abimelech and destroy you and may fire come out of you and destroy Abimelech. It's interesting that he gives this speech from uh, uh, Mount uh, Gerizim, uh, which was a place uh, where Israel went soon after entering the uh, promised land where uh, half of the people stood on one side of a hill and the other people stood on the other side of this hill uh, and uh, there the priests recited the curses that would fall upon the people if they did not uh, honor God. And uh, every time a priest uttered a curse, the people would say, Amen. And now again from that very same place, this curse is uttered on them that may fire, may you destroy each other if 
you have not acted honorably. Uh, the fire of which he speaks is, of course, the fire of God's wrath. He's, uh, he knows that, that God is a consuming fire, that uh, fire came out from the altar to consume uh, those who offered un, uh, uh, incense without authorization, the two sons of Aaron. And fire came down and lit the altar when the tabernacle was dedicated. Fire came down from heaven to light the fire when the uh, temple was dedicated. That fire burned up the offerings, and so they were consumed by the, the fire of God's wrath. And now he's uh, saying, may you each experience the wrath of God and destroy each other. Well, the, uh, the rest of the chapter is about the fact that these people did not repent, and uh, the curse indeed uh, was fulfilled. It starts with some of the men of Shechem becoming highway robbers, which embarrassed and frustrated Abimelech. He is seen as an ineffective leader because he cannot keep his subjects safe on the highway. Then this Gael, the son of Ebed, came to Shechem. Uh, he appears to be a Canaanite with no Israelite blood. He doesn't want have anything to do with Abimelech, because Abimelech is the son of Jared Baal, uh, Baal uh, killer or Baal fighter, and uh, it's better to go back to the days when Shechem was uh, headed up by uh, uh, Hamor and uh, his son, uh, his son who fell in love with uh, Dinah, uh, Jacob's daughter. Uh, that's uh, the city of Shechem that we're dealing with now. He, uh, he wants to go back to those days and get rid of the Israelites entirely. And so he, uh, at a uh, harvest uh, festival where they've made new wine, they have a big party, and he gets uh, uh, oiled up, I guess, with the alcohol and uh, makes a lot of boasts. And the people of Shechem support him and uh, encourage him. However, Zebal, the, uh, the mayor of the city, so to speak, He's still on Abimelech's side, and so that night he sends word to Abimelech and tells him what's going on. And it appears that that very next morning when uh, uh, Gael's uh, forces are still perhaps a little hungover from the night before, but they come out in the morning and uh, go out into the, uh, outside the city and see that Abimelech has gathered his forces in four companies and is ready to attack, and indeed they do attack and uh, they defeat uh, Gaal and his people, and uh, they are sent running. But uh, the whole city has not yet been uh, uh, punished for their sins, and so the next very next day, Abimelech comes, and when the people of Shechem go out to the fields to do their work, he attacks them as well. They had encouraged Gaal, and so he's angry with them. And uh, some of them had embarrassed him by becoming highway robbers and making him look like an ineffective ruler. So uh, he wants to, uh, to get rid of them all. And it's interesting to note that uh, in doing so, he, he burns the temple of Baal Bareth. Uh, that uh, seems unusual, uh, that you would burn a temple of a god, a god that you're supposed to be honoring. Uh, but that's because Baalism... Uh, indeed, all paganism is a man-centered religion. 
in Baalism, which is uh, the worship of nature or considering nature ultimate and the forces of nature. Man considers himself to be the ultimate force of nature and only honors the other forces of nature to manipulate them and to uh, use them to his own advantage. If they get in his way, he's not afraid and does not hesitate to, uh, to even destroy uh, the other gods of nature, so to speak. Uh, that's why there is a lot of hypocrisy in the Baalism of today, particularly secular environmentalism, where you see uh, people uh, lecturing us about having to reduce our carbon footprint, but they themselves uh, fly their private jets to uh, all parts of the world and have multiple mansions that use all kinds of uh, energy. They're not afraid to uh, destroy the environment when it's to their advantage to do so. And uh, so uh, Abimelech is not afraid to destroy a temple of Baal when it's to his advantage to do so. Not satisfied with the destruction of uh, Shechem, Abimelech goes to another neighboring city and he attacks that. They too have a tower for refuge, but as Abimelech approaches the tower, a woman throws an upper millstone and delivers a fatal blow to his head. Uh, some commentators uh, take note of the fact that, uh, number one, it's uh, a woman who does that. This is reminiscent of uh, Sisera, who was killed by Jael, the wife of Haber, the Kenite, in the, uh, the war that uh, Deborah and Barak fought against uh, the Midianites. Uh, it's, uh, it's a sign that uh, he is robbed of honor a uh, woman is the uh, weaker vessel, says the Apostle Peter. They're the ones who are supposed to be protected, but uh, no, they uh, rise to destroy the powerful and uh, shame the powerful uh, in their death. He's uh, killed by a stone. Uh, it's uh, a stone that uh, crushes his head. And uh, again, we have reminiscence of Genesis 3.15, a fatal blow to the head, a fulfillment of the curse. And it's a millstone. Why, why does the author tell us that it's a millstone? Why doesn't it just say, someone threw a stone on him and he died? Now, it's a millstone, it's a woman, he's hit on the head. All those details are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And uh, again, it's uh, perhaps speculation, but it's interesting to see that someone... Uh, thought, uh, this millstone, I need to take it into the tower with me to protect it because I'm a worker and I, I, I rely on this for my livelihood. I can't risk the fact that it might be destroyed when a Abimelech uh, attacks the city. This is a, uh, a working woman who uh, works hard and, and wants to protect her livelihood, um, but nevertheless is willing to sacrifice it for the sake of others uh, to uh, throw it out and uh, uh, use it as a weapon against Abimelech, uh, and she is uh, indeed successful in that. Now, what's the importance of this history? Well, it, it shows that uh, God is in complete control. Um, we read in the last two uh, verses, thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech with which he had done to his father by killing his brothers, and all the evil men of Shechem, God returned on their own heads, and on them came the curse of Jonathan, the son of Jeroboam. God's in control, and God sees to it that these wicked people destroy themselves 
because of their wickedness. Uh, God gives the wicked what they deserve. Shechem abandoned the Lord for Baal, who was a cheap imitation of the true God, and gave them a ruler who was uh, only half Israelite and half Canaanite. They wanted a king who was pompous and showy, and they got a king who was concerned only with his own ego and the well-being of others uh, he is not concerned about, and uh, so brings about the death of his subjects. Shechem uh, aided Abimelech in killing the sons of Gideon, so they are killed along with Abimelech. Justice triumphs in the end, even though it took three years. Uh, Abimelech killed the sons of Gideon on one stone, and Abimelech was killed with one stone, a type of uh, perfect justice, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and uh, the wicked indeed self-destruct and the blood of the saints is avenged. We are encouraged, although we do not celebrate the death of the wicked, uh, we are encouraged that indeed God is concerned with justice and will indeed bring the wicked to justice. Christ is now doing all these things in history. Uh, he has been doing it uh, since earliest times. He destroyed the ancient world with a flood, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone. He uh, sent the northern tribes of Israel into captivity in Assyria. He sent the southern tribes into captivity in Babylon. In AD 70, Christ came and destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and over a, a million unbelieving Jews. And uh, Paul says in Romans 1 that God's wrath is already being revealed from heaven against all those who do not honor God as God or give thanks to him. Uh, Christ has warned uh, his followers numerous times that all who do not believe in him will cast, be cast into a lake of fire for all eternity. Paul says, now these things happen to them as an example, but they are written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Again, we take no delight in the death of the wicked, but we look forward to that day when there will be no more wickedness, when we will not be troubled by it anymore. Without final judgment, evil will go on forever. But after final judgment, evil will be banished from our midst. The earth will be cleansed of it all. God will make his home on the earth, and we will live in his presence in glory, in safety, in peace forever and ever. Thanks be to God. This history encourages us to continue to wait patiently for that day. The Israelites had to wait three years. We have to wait until the full number of God's people are gathered in, but when they are gathered in, we can be certain that God will indeed bring about the fullness of all his promises. May God give us faith to persevere until the end. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your word that uh, warns us of judgment which will fall upon the wicked and encourages us to wait patiently for that day when Christ shall indeed put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy, uh, even death, will be destroyed through the resurrection and we will live in your presence in glory forever in perfect peace and safety. We pray, Father, that we may persevere in faith till that day, great day. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.